Podcast. Coming to you from the Midwest Coast. I'm inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Leg of the Ozarks, Podcast Studio B. This is the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about the podcast. You know it's all free. Now, you got to know by now you can download any of these free apps, any mobile device, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Store, Spotify. Every one of them are free. And then you would be joining the thousands upon thousands listening every week from all over this blue marble planet. Let's check in with the analytics today. The United States, always at the top of the list. Australia, always that strong second in Australia. Germany, the UK. We got Nigeria, Norway, South Africa, Canada, the Philippines, Argentina, Finland, Hungary, Indonesia, Israel, Singapore, Zambia, and you know, we always close it out with uh, these parts unknown. Oh, thank you so much for helping to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ worldwide. What an amazing year it has been. We've received so many testimonies throughout this year, uh, probably more than any other time that we've been doing the podcast over the years. Uh, lots of testimonies this year. And I love the ones coming to me from those that have been locked up. I'm talking about those that are listening behind bars. Thank you guys for tuning in. God is working in your lives, and I can promise you, he's going to work all things to the good. You're going to see that. So many testimonies. Please keep them coming. Well, let's try to wrap up this series as we are nearing the end of the year. Of course, for those of you that will be listening some other time, that won't mean a single thing to you. Those that tune in every single week and uh, somewhat count on this to be a uh, Thursday program. Well, we are getting close to the end of 2023, and uh, we could say a lot more about this, but we've been talking about living in his presence, and here we are. It is Christmas week. Let's try to tie all this together. Again, I could do a few more on this one, but I'll be taking next week off um, as we have our summit meetings to end the year, of course. And uh, if you are listening right now and you don't know about that, you need to join us for these summit meetings coming up. 10th annual, two guys in the Bible Winter Summit. 10 years we've been doing the summit. So I'm expecting some big things. It'll be great, and you need to join us. Of course, you can find out all you need to know by looking on my Facebook page, you can see that there, uh, all the speakers that are coming in and what's taking place with the schedule, free and open to the public, of course. But uh, let's tie this together. Um, of course, I will be seeking Holy Spirit as to what we're going to do in 2024, as far as the podcast goes, and what direction we will be taking. But we have been discussing here recently how to live continuously in the presence of God. And I hope, I hope you can see the benefits of that idea. So go with me over to Matthew 2. When I think about this, when his presence came into the world, the people began to worship him right away. They began to show up and to worship him because they wanted to be in his presence. Matthew 2 and verse 1, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Now, I, I just want to point out some obvious things, that these wise men did not come to Bethlehem first. They came to Jerusalem saying, where is he? Where, where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Now, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. 
So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Now, when they had heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over the young, where the young child was. Now, the young child, I keep saying that because he was not a baby like we portray at this time. This is after his birth. They were not there to witness the birth. They came later. Nine times in 14 verses, it says, young child, young child. Let's keep reading. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So we know that these men came to worship Jesus, and so I wanted to show you three things about their worship that I believe that we could learn from. Number one, it was expected worship, expected worship. They came expecting something to happen when they entered the presence of the king. They came about a thousand miles, these called the magi, that's the Greek word magi. So they come from the east, they were magicians, magi from the east, not Jews, they're astronomers and sorcerers. Now, these particular men were probably believers, but let me show you something in Daniel 2, 2. Then the king gave the command to all the magicians, the astrologers and sorcerers and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. So these are the men that came from that group called the magi or the magicians. Now, here's the thing. We were born with a hunger to know the supernatural. So these who maybe didn't know God, or even today, not a believer, yet there's a hunger to know the supernatural. This is why many cultures, they still have witch doctors, they have fortune telling. I believe these men had a desire. Same in Egypt. You remember the magicians in the court, it was common. So let me hit on this, just some information. So many theologians believe that Balaam, the king king of Moab, hired him to curse Israel when they were coming through the wilderness. Balaam was hired because he was a sorcerer. He would cast spells and place curses on people. And so many historians believe that he is the father of what we would call the Magi. And that's like an organization. And when they came to cast a curse on Israel, God wouldn't let them. But here's what people don't realize is that Balaam was the first one to prophesy about the star. It's probably where these Persian magi learned about the star. Numbers 24, 17, I see him, but not now. I see him, capital H. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy the sons of Tumult. So these Persians, the magi, they go back to Balaam. And remember, Moab was conquered by Persia, right? You remember your history, Moab conquered by Persia. So they go back to Balaam, one of their main prophets and probably their founder, the one that started the organization. And they find that he couldn't curse Israel because of their God. And he ended up blessing them and he prophesies about a star. 
In the days of Esther, that was Persia that had taken over and they were going to kill Israel and God rescued through Mordecai and Esther, the Jewish people. So the Persians are studying their history and they're realizing once again, the God of Israel just continues to rescue his people. Remember in Daniel, under the Babylonian captivity, they were Persians and those Persians, their magi and astrologers, could not interpret the dream, but a Jewish man could. And a Jewish man was rescued from the lion's den. And these other Jewish men were rescued from a fiery furnace. So these Persians, reading their history, they keep reading about this God of the Jews. And now he continued to rescue his people. And they go back to this prophecy that there's going to be this star. And it was going to show when the Messiah comes. Daniel prophesied that the Messiah was going to come 483 years. And 483 years, 483 years later is not when the Messiah was born because he came 453 years later. But look at it. He began his ministry and stepped into or was introduced to the world as the Messiah 30 years after his birth, which would be 483 years since the prophecy was spoken. That is amazing. They knew the Jewish people began their ministries at 30 years old. Joseph was 30, David 30. I think Daniel was 30. So they go back 30 years and the planets lined up and at that time there's the star and so they travel and it took about nine months to travel about a thousand miles. Now we know at this time they have already moved out of the stable, Jesus being now anywhere from nine to 18 months uh, old. We know the king is killing all the children two years and under trying to kind of cover that gap because he wasn't exactly certain of the age of Jesus. But he was a toddler, not a baby at this point, when the wise men came. And I know this messes with your nativity scene, but the wise men were not there at the birth or even close to it. It says clearly when they came into the house, they found the young child, not the baby. Again, I'm not against nativity scenes. I think we ought to have one on the lawn of every single government property in the U.S. But here's my point. That it had been passed down for hundreds of years about this Messiah, and those Persian men traveled for thousands of miles to get into his presence and to worship him. If they made that much effort to get into his presence, why can't we make just a little effort? They knew and were expectant. And we should have an expectation and excitement coming into our hearts this time of year that we will make time to enter into his presence. Oh, we should every day. But my point about people attacking Christmas and pagan and blah, 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 shut up. This is one of two times that people are expected to recognize that this is all about Jesus. They can try to commercialize it, make it about gifts, make it about the fat man Santa. They can try to make it all about trees and lights and a holiday season. But at the end of the day, for centuries upon centuries, Jesus is still the reason for the season. And we have yet to find a way to keep Jesus out of Christmas. And if we as believers would begin to embrace this time of year and stop trying to destroy it with all this crap about trees being pagan and he wasn't born on December 25th and arguing about stupid crap and start creating an expectation that we're going to make it all about Jesus and have an expectation to worship him on this day that we set aside, we can bring others into the very presence of Jesus Christ. By the way, all you tree is pagan people and can't have a tree people, I better not see you wearing a cross either. That's a pagan form of sacrifice, human sacrifice. It was the worst form of death, and you're going to wear a cross around your neck? You're going to have a cross in your home all year? Well, you might as well replace that with a little electric chair on your neck or a picture of an electric chair in your home. You don't get to pick and choose. By the way, tell me anybody you know that's been hurt 
by the Christmas tree. Man, little Johnny became possessed on Christmas morning because of that dang tree. Little Susie, she now serves Satan because we had a tree and lights. Just stop it. It's one of two times that it should be all about Jesus. And if, if trees and lights and, well, whatever else you want to call pagan, every freaking thing's pagan now, fine. Let's take it back and steal it from them and make it all about Jesus then. As you can hear, I'm not a big fan of this kind of talk that comes around every, every year. I'm 53 years old, and I don't know a single person setting up a Christmas tree so they can worship it. I never met anybody doing that. So if you're wondering where I stand, there you go. Send in your emails. Send in your crap. I don't care. It's so stupid. Make it about Jesus. My gosh. You talking about it being pagan and all this garbage does nothing to draw people near to Christ. When you're not going to change a freaking thing by saying that. You're just not. And like I said, even if it is, I'm going to steal it back. I'm going to make it about Jesus. I'm 53 years old. I don't know anybody setting up a tree and worshiping it. I never met anybody. These men expected that when they finished their journey, they were going to find the one that they could get into the presence of and worship him and recognize this is the Messiah. Expected worship. Number two about these wise men is it was expressive worship. In Matthew 2, 10 and 11, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. When they'd come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell, fell down and they worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasuries, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now the Bible could have just said, well, they rejoiced, but it made a point to say they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. It was expressive worship and they fell down. They didn't just bend down or bow down, but literally it means they fell down violently. They hit the floor in his presence. They saw this toddler and fell down and were just undone, could not stand in the presence. These are some of the most wise men on the planet at that time, and they're recognizing that they're in the presence of someone special. They couldn't even stay on their feet in his presence, even when he was a toddler. They collapsed may not be a bad idea that once in a while you would collapse in the presence and surrender everything. Just to become shattered, come undone. They fell down and worshiped and, you know, you do know that one day soon, every atheist, every drug addict, every college professor, politician, they're going to fall at his feet and worship one way or another. It's coming and I say, I say better now than later. We have scripture talking about this, that this is a, a type of expression that's not just for charismatics or us right-wing, fanatical, Jesus-freak, holy, rolling, tongue-talking faith people. Way before we created all this slanderous talk about people who love Jesus and express it openly, the Bible was showing us this in Psalm 47 and verse 1. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Oh, you charismatics, you're crazy. Psalm 95, 1 and 2, oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Psalm 134, 2, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. This is Old Testament scriptural instruction on how one should worship. Now, I understand because I grew up in the Baptist church. You didn't move a muscle. When they went to a Christmas community event, I, I went to a, a charismatic church in town. People were shouting and crying and lifting up their hands and praising God and clapping and singing. And I was like, what in the world is going on? They look much happier than us. When I saw them hit the floor in the presence of God, it was amazing. I thought, these people, they really mean this. This is, this is great. God began to work on me because it's not in my personality to do so. And wow, 
Uh, there's been times he makes me hit the floor. So expressive worship and number three, extravagant worship. Matthew 2 and verse 11, when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him. And when they had opened up their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, these gifts had prophetic significance. They probably didn't even know about it, but gold is royalty, frankincense, divinity, myrrh represents humanity. This was his divinity, his humanity, his royalty. Now, the reason the Persians brought this was because for them, these were the three best resources they had to offer. They were known for this. So I ask, they brought their best, and I guess the question is, is do you bring your best when you come to worship? I know if being honest, I haven't many times. I'm distracted with the flow of service or things that I always seem to have to deal with after service or on my mind or where in the world is everybody or just kind of go through the songs and I didn't bring my best. Then it says this, they opened their treasures. See, they traveled with enough money that if something were to happen, they could always get back home more than what they needed. So uh, for, for instance, if it was going to take 18 months to do a total trip, they would bring 30 months of treasure with them just in case. But it says they opened their, their treasury. I think it possible that here they are in the presence of this glorious toddler. And that one of them said to the servant as they traveled, you know, they had bodyguards. He said, uh, open the treasury. Sir, we need that to get back home. He said, no, go get all the gold that we have. Get it. I think that's how we should worship. And oh, by the way, when we say things like giving is a form of worship, that's because that's what the Bible says that it is. We're not trying to play on your emotions to manipulate you for your money. The Bible talks about this, worship and giving. So if you'd like to go to a new level in worship, go to a new level in your giving. You know why? Because they're both attached to your heart. Both are heart attitudes. Now remember it says they came to Jerusalem assuming that he was going to be there and they had to go reread the scriptures. Oh, it says Bethlehem. They didn't know where he was. Remember verse 12 says then. And then is an important word because it means after they had worshiped, in Matthew 2, 12, then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. This is amazing. Now look at this, divinely warned by God in a dream. So in, in just wrapping up this series, I know this is a short one, but I just wanted to kind of wrap this up around this Christmas theme. I, I want you to take out of all of this because we talked about worship a lot. And that was really, I think the main idea that we discovered here uh, is worship is kind of the key, right, for, for being in the presence of God. And then we looked at the many different forms of worship or how to do that. Um, and, of course, the benefits that, that come out of being in the presence of God. But look at this one. I love to wrap this up with this right here. Here's these men. They're, they're some of the smartest men in the world. Uh, boy, they've learned a lot of stuff, right? I mean, they, they, they made their way. They learned. They studied. They were smart, but they put in the time. They did all of this. But here they are, and I want you to take all of it because this is, this is what it means to be in God's presence and to worship him and how much your life will be changed. Before they worshiped, before they entered into Jesus' presence, they would have to go to other people to find out what the Bible says, right? That in their studies, it says they'd go back to their prophets, their people. They, but before they ever got into Jesus' presence, their life was filled with swapping knowledge between men, knowledge between other smart men. They would have to go to prophets and wise men and talk back and forth and look it up and study and have others put their input into it. But after, here, here's, the, here's the, big, the big show right here. 
that you should expect. This is the biggest, best benefit you can ever get out of this whole deal, being in the presence of God. But after they entered his presence, now God is speaking directly to them personally. And they are able to hear him, and they are able to understand him. And from that point on, he was able to guide their lives because they got into the presence, and now they're able to hear the voice of God for themselves. So if you have uh, struggled to ever hear from God for yourselves, may I suggest the cure? Well, get into the presence of God with worship. Because once you begin to do this on a regular basis, God will begin to speak directly to you on a regular basis. That's all the time I have for today's podcast. Thank you for joining me in this series. I'm your host, Don Allen. It is my hopes that you'll take some time this season. Get into the presence of God. Worship your King be able to hear his voice for yourselves. I know that's what I'm going to do. You know why? So I may continue in 2024 to attempt the ridiculous and achieve the miraculous. You guys have a wonderful Christmas. Have a happy new year. God bless you all. We're going to talk to you after the new year. Hey!